Hello, welcome to episode 64 of the Folk Podcast. Today, I have a surprise for the co-host that I have been keeping from them for days now. I kept on saying we're going to record a surprise episode, and I wouldn't tell them what it was about because I want their genuine reactions to see where this goes. I honestly don't know how long this episode is going to be. It was just a crazy idea that I had, but I really am looking forward to the potential of the conversation that will come from sharing this information. So I was doing research a while ago, and I came across a story that I want to share with the co-host um, that is a historical story. This is from, you know, like the same time as the Poetic Edda, so some of the oldest stories that we have. Um, it does come from Snorri. So Snorri Sturluson, the man that we have a love, mostly hate relationship with because he was a very Christian man, um, but also we would not have a lot of the stories that we would have today without him. So some some background information. This comes from Hymus Gringla, Hymus Gringla, Hymus Gringla, uh, which is basically the annals of the kings of Norway. So Snorri was tasked by the king of Norway um, to basically create a lineage of the kings and stories of the kings. Um, to essentially establish a divine right to rule. But he does record from, let's see, I think I had it written down at some point. It's basically, it's from like 900 CE to 1200 CE. So it's like 300 years of kings. So there's quite a few in here. And the reason I came across this is because I was doing research into Yule. And this is where we get most of the information we know about historical Yule celebrations because it was from the tales of Hakan, Harkon the Good. And um, I decided, since I had this in PDF form, which, uh, you know, I have, I don't like because it's hard to read 783 pages in, on a PDF, but you can search for terms and words. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to search for Odin and see what pops up. Because this is not a, something that I think most people read. I mean, you figured 780 pages, whatever it is, that's more than the poetic and the prose that I put together. And this is not a common book that people pick up. And so I don't think many people have heard this story, including both of you. So I wanted to share this story with you and see the conversation that comes from it. So this is from the rule of King Olaf. Now, King Olaf was a Christian, and I think he was quite notably known as a Christian. But he has a story where he met Odin after he was a Christian. And so the thing that I trust in this story is that he acknowledges that it is Odin, the god Odin, but yet he is still a Christian. So let me read the story to you. And let's, I'll basically right after I read it, I want the co-host, Ian, Caleb, I want you both to just chime in with what your initial thoughts are. Now, before reading the story audience, I should once again specify that I am not a speaker of Old Norse, nor have I ever been. And I will butcher some of these terms. I am sorry. But here is the story of King Olaf and Odin's apparition. Once upon a time, King Olaf was at a feast at this Ogvaldsinus, and one even, even in tide, there came to him an old man very gifted in words, and with a broad-brimmed hat upon his head. He was one-eyed and had something to tell of every land. He entered the conversation with the king, and as the king found much pleasure in the guest's speech, he asked him concerning many things, to which the guest had good answers, and the king sat up late in the evening. Among other things, the king asked if he knew who the Ogvald had, who the Ogvald had been, who had given his name both to the Ness and to the house. The guest replied that this Ogvald was a king and a very valiant man, and that he made great sacrifices to a cow, which he had had with him wherever he went, and considered it good for his health to drink her milk. The same King Ogvald had a battle that uh, had a battle that a king called Varin, in which battle. Ogvald fell. He was buried under a mound close to the house, and there he stands, his stone over him, and close to it his cow also is laid. Such as many other things and ancient events that this king inquired after. Now when the king had sat up late into the night, the bishop reminded him that it was time to go to bed, and the king did so. But after the king was undressed and he laid himself in bed, the guest returned and sat upon the footstool before the bed, and still spoke things along with the king. For after one tale was ended, he still wanted a new. And then the bishop was observing the king, and he told him once again it was time to go to sleep. And the king did so, and the guest went out. Soon after, the king awoke, asked for the guest, and ordered him to be called, but the guest was not to be found. The morning after, the king ordered his cook and cellar master to be called, and asked if any strange person had been seen with him. 
They said that this was uh, they were making ready the meat uh, for breakfast when the man came in and observed that they were cooking very poor meat for the king's table. Whereupon he gave them two thick and fat pieces of beef, which they boiled with the rest of the meat. Then the king ordered that all the meat should be thrown away and said this man could no other was no other than the god Odin, Odin, who the heathens have so long worshipped in Aden, but Odin shall not deceive us this day. That is the end of that story. Hmm. I don't really know how to start with this one. Um, I'm honestly, I'm curious as to the ending part, particularly where they say that he shall not deceive us on this day. As in, like, what is he going to deceive them with or on or about? It doesn't necessarily say anything. So I it's think- kind of an obscure story. So the way I read that, well, Kate, uh, Baker, uh, what are your thoughts after hearing it right, right off the bat before I, before I talk more? It's interesting. And I have to, uh, I'm going to have to go and fact check something out of the, um, the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok because the king sounds familiar, but I'm trying to remember if I've got that mixed up with something else or what, because I remember reading something about the king that had a cow um in the past but i cannot remember what oh the king story is from. i it may have been but the the name doesn't exactly sound familiar so i'm gonna have to go back and check this book and see if that was who the ragnar sons had an encounter with i remember reading something about them fighting a king that i want to say had a cow but i have to go and check but it's really interesting um and i kept saying thinking it was funny that the the priest kept saying now king you need to go to bed right treating him like a child <laughs> so the thing that I, I i appreciate about this story is that it is a christian perspective acknowledging that odin is real and i think that's what really struck me is that they were you know they basically acknowledged that heathens did worship odin and that odin was a real presence and that this king had seen odin and acknowledging that but also acknowledging that he was a christian now and therefore i think that's the deceiving line where it's like he will not bring us back to the old ways. I that's kind of how I read it. Maybe that's my modern pagan perspective, because obviously they don't they don't necessarily trust Odin. You know, they wouldn't trust these old gods. They're trying to move away from them. So that's how I would see it. But also maybe there could be a context where it's just like Odin is also known as quite the deceit like deception deceptive god. So maybe there is something there too. I guess yeah, because that kind of makes a little bit more like a, some sense with the uh, he will not deceive us and and the fact that like. They are are committed to Christianity at this point, and it could potentially be Odin trying to pull them back to the old ways. Mm. Yeah, because I, I 100%, you know, when it comes to a lot of Snorri's writings and when it comes to a lot of things in the Prosetta, um, and even the things that I was reading in uh, Heimskringla, uh, is I don't trust what 100% the truth of what is being told. But considering the way the story is framed, I trust this is something that actually happened because I don't feel like they would actually share the story otherwise. You know, they would have, it would have been manipulated in some way. And if it just feels very honest. Um, I found what I had read before it actually was in this book. And it was the last thing that I read in the saga of uh, Ragnar Lothbrook. Um, but it was King Einstein or Einstein. Um, D-Y-S-T-E-I-N. And he had a, uh, what was it? He called it the uh, our goddess, the cow. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Shib, Shibzla? Shibzil? Where's the fucking? Right there? I don't know how to say that. Sibila? Sibila? Yeah. But what he would do is that he would bring that cow out and he would set it to run in front of his troops. And it made this terrible mooing that would frighten the enemy. And then his men would come behind and mop up you know, the frightened uh, attackers, but interesting. Yeah. You know, so that but, was what I thought was what I thought was familiar. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually pay much weight into the cow story until I actually uh, read it aloud to you guys. But that is an interesting story as well. You know, uh, the, the story of a king who, you know, prized this cow above all else. I don't know how long cows live, but, you know, it seems like he had this his entire life. And that may have been one of the, the boons of what gave him his power is this cow, this magical cow that he drank from its udders every day. Um, but we do see cows as a sacred being uh, within the, the mythos. And so, and that's not something we see all the time. 
um, at least not in historical writings, is the a reference to the the mythical cow being of Norse mythology. And I mean, just from a like a nutritional sense, like being able to drink fresh milk that would give you more vitamin D, since you don't, you're not going to get a whole lot of that in the frozen north, and so you would be a stronger man from that, you know, stronger bones and all that. <laughs> I'm just thinking about uh, old Blader Babushka and his uh, his group of like four guys. They call them Milk Boys. So <laughs> King Oddfold would be a mil- the original Milk Boy. <laughs> <laughs> the King of the Milk Boys. <laughs> oh no! Uh, I'm definitely going to tell him that later. <laughs> the Shout King of Milk Boys. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, I know. Uh... I think everyone besides Blade of the Milk Boys watched this podcast. Um, so. I don't think did he talk about the last time he was on the podcast? Did he talk about the Milk Boys? I can't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't, remember. I don't think he did. I don't well, think he did. to our listeners, um, the Milk Boys are a <laughs> grouping of four individuals that are is a growing group. It's a growing faction within the yeah. Wisdom of Odin community of gentlemen who meet at times during gatherings in the kitchen, and they drink milk often in silence, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> but the thing that made it i guess the thing that bound them together is is devon dante kyle and uh and blade and i think it just happened naturally where there's a lot of milk like for some reason we brought up a lot of milk at this gathering and one point they all just ended up in the kitchen together and they were all just by happenstance drinking milk and it bonded them together for life <laughs> And then, like, the rest it, of the weekend, they would just meet up in the kitchen to drink milk together. <laughs> it honestly, it just reminds me of, like, King of the Hill, where they're all just, like, sitting outside by the fence, drinking beer, not saying anything, except for the occasional, like, mm-hmm, kind of nonsense going on. Like, that's what it is, <laughs> but with milk instead. Right. Uh, so this is it's soon to be the most premier gentleman's club in all the world is the uh, is the Milk Boys. <laughs> Rivaled by the soy boys. Oh, jeez, right? <laughs> they sit up. They stand on opposite sides of the kitchen. Yeah, and whatever like land they inhabit, if they have their own land, it would have to be called Ogvald's Ogvald's Ness, because that is apparently the the King Ogvald. <laughs> That's the, the the OG milk boy. <laughs> uh, oh, now it's it it almost kind of has like a slight. Um, you know, Emir foot like flair to it too, to a certain degree. Yeah. You know, involving a cow that, you know, is prized and drinks from it every day. And that's how he gets stronger. And that's where all his basically his his power comes from to some degree. Um I don't know. That's such a such a just an, a weird, like obscure and this kind of just a random story. Oh, you want to hear just... random obscure? Hold on. Let me talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. that this is, I, I I will hold like the, um, like, I believe this actually was like a truthful thing that happened that Odin appeared to this king. And the thing that's, that's odd is like the fact of, I wonder if it was just his true, like true actual dedication to, you know, the Christian God, or if it was him realizing that, it's easier and I'll be able to stay a king longer if I, you know, stay a Christian because it's easier to control people through fear. Right. Like they understood like the, the transition, like what was basically the, the fad of that time and what would keep them in power instead of opposing, you know, the quickly growing, uh, you know, storm of, of Christianity at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wonder if it, it, to some degree that was also, you know, why is this like, no, can't let, I'm not gonna let you deceive me, Odin, or trick me going into back to the old ways, because then he would lose, you know, that kingdom and that title and, and, you know, it caused him more problems, most likely than if he had just stayed a Christian. And by openly saying that, oh, Odin came and saw me, but I did not, you know, revert back to being a heathen i stayed you know a steadfast christian right yeah because um, i mean you get the concept of the devil trying to bring you back you know yeah yeah um did it say did it have like a timeline as far as like around what year this story occurred or like when oh uh, i would have to look back in my notes because i just have this section um i i think king olaf was before uh no it was after harkin so it had to be around the after, like uh, past the 1000 CE mark. Hmm. So like probably around like 11, 1200 ish. Yeah. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, that's, I feel like, yeah, this order would probably come around more along the end, like definitely the end of, of uh, Norse paganism and where like mm -hmm. Christianity definitely fully like took. I mean, that's also around the same time that like the Crusades were happening. Okay, too, uh, so. King Olaf, uh, let's see. <clears throat> Looks like he was born, had a married wife who called Astrid. It looks like around 963 is when Olaf was born. So he, he was ruling around the transition period. Okay, so around more like a thousand then. Yeah. Which uh, Norway had converted this. at that point, I believe. No, I didn't know this. I just tried to look it up on myself because I was like, I got a phone, look it up. But apparently uh, Norway had a monarchy up until like the last century. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they did. I had no clue about that. Didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, they still have. Um, that's one of the things I learned in Germany. So it's a lesser known because, uh, I mean, everyone knows about like the drama around the British royalty, right? They're all like, oh, who's who's the king and queen going to be? Who's the prince that's going to marry? Like that actually still exists in other countries as well. It's just not as broadcasted to the American audience. Uh, like there's still drama around the king and queen because there's still like a royal family in Sweden and Norway. And so there's like slight royal drama around that still. And some people keep up with it. Um, there even is, because uh, I was staying in Bavaria, There, because Bavaria was a kingdom up till like the 1850s, just around then until they joined the, the German, German Empire leading into uh, right after the Napoleon invasion. Um, they, they still had a king until, um, what's his name? Ludwig II, that was the last king. And they still have a royal bloodline and a royal family that still receives money from the state to be rich and old and, and royal. But it's just not broadcasted and they're not a monarchy anymore. It's more of a cultural thing still. And I saw in a newspaper, I still have the newspaper of uh, the king, like the de facto king of Bavaria walking around the Alps. <laughs> you know? So it's still a thing. You know, we're not that far removed from the, the time of kings. That's crazy. Um, but it is interesting because, cool the, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I really find the story interesting because it is from that transition period. Um, and I think, like you guys had mentioned, you know, uh, either this king was first generation or second generation Christian, you know, right after the heathen. So there were still heathens about, there were still Christians in this weird transition period. And so stories like this were uh, someone like Odin coming up. You know, if we believe the gods are real in the sense that they, they try to have an effective effect on our world, maybe this was Odin trying to convert the king back to the old ways. Um, yeah, and a temptation the, story, basically. Right. Um, and maybe that is why it was created as a Christian story, as a temptation story to show how pious that Olaf was. But regardless, it is interesting how much detail they gave to Odin. And I would even say they didn't really paint Odin in a bad light. Mm-mm. You know, not, not at all. A wise traveler that knew many things. He's the king. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's the thing about the meat, too, which I found kind of interesting that, he, you know, he came in, you know, was he trying to poison him? Was he saying like, oh, I'm going to try to poison the king? I don't know if that, there's enough to be inferred or, you know, like, I feel like there's something to be read into like, oh, he came into the kitchen was like, oh, look at this poor quality meat that you're feeding your king. No kings deserve the best of meat here is really good meat that I just kept on my person for some reason. Uh, yeah, I right. kept in my back like pocket. The, like the first okay, thing I good. thought of is like somehow he went and got that he got meat from that cow that's buried with that king. Oh, <laughs> it was like brought that down. Ugh, well, I mean, he's, like, he's like he's a god. He can make it. He can make it good again. Hey, everybody needs to walk around with some good pocket you know? bacon. Some pocket bacon. <laughs> for those who get that reference, you're welcome. Oh yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I was That's a very it. obscure reference. So <laughs> That's why our listeners out there, Ian's got your back. Um, so one thing I actually appreciated about this as well is we don't have a lot of descriptions specifically of Odin. We have a lot of assumptions that we just like, yes, he is one eyed with a wide brim hat um, and he's a Gandalf looking, looking dude. So, but as far as I know, this is one of the few descriptions we get of Odin in this way outside of, um, I think, the prose Edda. So, obviously, this was written by Snorri, so it's coming from him as well. Um, but the old man, very gifted in words, with a broad-brimmed hat upon his head, he was one-eyed and had something to tell of every land. I mean, that is very concisely Odin. And mm. I think, again, it's just like that got me really excited to read it in that kind of, in this kind of way. 
Now, is this is this story before or after Snorri wrote his Prosetta? Ooh, I don't know that answer off the top of my head. I'm assuming mm. it's around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, cause we don't know an exact date of publication of, cause the prose edit was written as a way to teach people how to write in skaldic verse. And I assume the prose edit was written first because I think the, the chronicle chronicles of the Kings of Norway was a later work. Cause mm-hmm. it was after he returned from Norway the second time that he was in, like basically assassinated. And so I'm assuming that this was probably one of his last works was behind the screen glow. I could be wrong, but I'm just assuming that based on what I know. Yeah. Hmm. So what's this other um, super obscure story oh. that you, you fished off? So, right, right. Uh, so this one is funny to me. I don't even know how much of a conversation. This is just weird. Um, I'm going to be talking about this. And so you're getting a sneak peek if you listen to the, the podcast here. Um, this is something I'll be bringing up in my Yule video because technically it's a Yule story, but it is very obscure because uh, it's missing. Like, a, I guess like it's the story was lost, like the majority of the story. So we don't know what happened next. But this is a weird one, guys. <laughs> I'm going to share it in that video, too, but I'll share it here. Um, I was I was sitting in a Starbucks, like taking the notes for this video. I was just got this. I'm like, what? I'm just kind of losing it. <sighs> okay. Center myself here. I'm going to try to give it some pizzazz. It's very short. It's titled, Of a Woman Brought to the King. One Yule Eve, the king sat in the hall, and the tables were laid out, and the king said, Get me flesh meat. They, uh, they, his people, answered, Sire, it's not the custom to eat flesh meat on Yule Eve. The king returned with, if it is not the custom, I will make it the custom. They went, so the people went out and brought him a dolphin. The king stuck his knife into it, but did not eat it. Then the king said, bring me a girl here into the hall. They brought him a woman whose headdress went far down her brows. The king looked, took her hand in his hand, looked at her and said, an ill looking girl. And that's it. That's it. That's the story. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Like, it would be so interesting to me if it wasn't for the dolphin. (laughs) Specifically a dolphin. Well, I mean, really? I guess I could, I could understand, like, if they, it would be really quick for them to go out and catch a dolphin and then bring it back. But. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that was a relatively regular thing that people ate, considering they ate whales and, and sea lions and, you know. Well, they, they the swim other... close to the surface often, so they're easier to catch. Yeah, yeah, and it's easy. Yeah. But, like, what? What a weird like ending it's what like was that a paragraph and a half basically yeah it's like four lines but you know i just like the the image of that i'm just picturing this like uncut uncured dolphin just like with the x's over the eyes cartoon style in the middle of this table this king pulls out his knife and like stabs it in the blowhole and is just like no i need a woman (laughs) like yeah what's happened what happened next yeah (laughs) what did you do with the woman did she have to eat the dolphin first like, oh, or man. was there something unsavory happening between that dolphin and her? I don't know. Yeah, what the hell? Some of these stories. Oh, that's... Well, and I think the uh, the flesh meat thing comes from, because this is, again, a later story. Uh, so this is after the conversion. And so this, uh, one of the things during Yule was uh, the draining of the blood of an animal and that is given as the offering to the gods and then eating of the flesh as the, like the offering to the, the, to the self uh, and to the community. And so I think um, we see this in, uh, in Harkin's story as well. He is uh, like, it, it, he, cause he was the king during the, the transition, literally. And they were still having a Yule heathen feast. And uh, part of that feast was the king had to eat horse meat um that's from the offerings and so when they were when he was given the horse meat he didn't want to do it because he was a christian and he wanted to participate in this heathen ritual and so what he did but they still required it of him as king even because the country had not been converted at that point and so he wrapped it in like a napkin or a towel and then bit into it to show that like to signify that but he refused to swallow the meat 
And so I think it became like, uh, I think the story is kind of like that where uh, they had already converted and the king was probably a little, I don't even know what king this was. Um, Someone where they ended up, uh, the person who was like holding the feast, like jumped up on the table and forced like a horse liver into the king's mouth and forced him to eat it. Maybe. I can't quite remember. Hmm. I love some of these stories. They're so wild. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I have not read all of the uh, Heimskringla because it is long. But, you know, I think it is, um, it's worth searching through, getting a PDF version, which is easy to find online. It wasn't hard to find a PDF version of it. Um, and that way you can kind of search through. Because um, there is actually, I think there was like, in total, like 85 references to Odin. Uh, but most of it was poems. So, uh, you know, people basically calling out to Odin or referencing him within a skaldic verse. Uh, there was very few mentionings of like a religious kind of context to it, uh, besides the one story that I found. Hmm. Did you did you end up doing any other searches besides Odin or was that just... The, the that was the one I did. I mean, if we want to have some fun with it, I mean, I can... <laughs> we might as well. Yeah, well, I'm curious to see well. what other... I'm curious to see, curious to see what potential other deities would have been mentioned in there. See, I also posted it on or, uh, know, Patreon. Whatever. I won't read it here because I posted on Patreon and on Instagram already. Uh, but from the uh, History of the Danes, Volume 2, that description of the uh, the temple... Uh, to Svetovid, the Slavic deity. I mean, which was like five pages. And it was like in, uh, it was a very detailed description of a ritual and the temple in which Svetovid was uh, worshipped in. So if you haven't checked it out, yeah. I have posted part of it on, uh, to our listeners, uh, if you haven't checked it out, I have posted part of it on uh, Instagram in the full section on Patreon if you're interested in checking that out. Because uh, History of the Danes Volume 2 is an extremely rare book extremely rare almost impossible to find a copy of and luckily someone in the community was able to get me a pdf which is a, i don't even i don't even know if it's like okay to own that i mean it's seriously hard it is very hard to find this book is that uh the deity that you're talking about the slavic one is that the one that has the like the many faces yeah the four face deity that, uh, one yeah all right what do you guys want me to search hmm I mean, I'd be curious in looking into uh, what were the uh, the three big uh, gods that were at uh, Uplasa? Was that uh, it was Odin, Thor, and Freyr? Yeah. No, just I guess do a search on like Thor. One of those two. Freyr. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually kind of what I was thinking. Freyr kept popping up for me for some reason in my head on like one to search. All right. <laughs> I'll do Thor first to see what pops up. Yeah, 786 pages. Oh, let's see. There's about 120 references to Thor. Let's see if it's all poetic or not. See, I told you this episode would end up being kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. See, it's all it's doing is pulling up all the reference. It, it, it can't deter the difference between Thor the God and like Thor as in people's names. So like uh, Thorvald, you know, so it's pouring up Thorleif, uh, Guthorm, you know, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to find anything that's like Thornstein the Red. That's kind of a badass name, actually. Didn't think about people being named, all the people being named Thor. This yeah, Thor well, yeah. I mean, th that in itself is, you know, a testimony to Thor because of all the people there are so, if this just shows anything, there are so many people named Thor out there yeah or have like thor, or have thor like in their name yeah you have like thorson as like a common last name thor off the wise that's a cool name thora thord thorstein again thorer thorer <laughs> how thor are more you thor, he's more thor than thor whoa, whoa i just saw i just saw regular thor hold on where is it uh-oh uh-oh i lost it oh no oh let's see here uh the throne deheim people baptized now king olaf entered into the temple with a, with some of his men and a few bonds uh, when the king came there to, uh, where the god their gods were when the king came to where their gods were thor as the most considered among their gods sat there adorned with gold and silver the king lifted up his gold inlaid axe which he carried in his hand and struck thor so that he his image rolled down from the seat then the king's men turned and threw down all the gods from their seats. And while the king was in the temple, Yarnskega was killed outside the temple's door, and the uh, and the king's men did it. 
When the king came mm. forth out of the temple, he offered the bonds two conditions, that all should accept Christianity forthwith, or they should fight with him. But as Skeggy was killed, there was no leader in their bonds army to raise the banner against King Olaf. So they took their own conditions and surrendered the king's will and obeyed his order. Then King Olaf had all of his people present baptized and took hostages for them to be remaining true to Christianity. And he sent his men round to every district and no man in Thordheim um, County opposed Christianity, but all, all people took baptism. So that's got actually kind of intense. Right. Yikes. Again, yeah, these, so, like these a... stories that, you know, I don't feel like people talk about enough. Um, which is one of my critiques of the the heathen and pa Norse pagan community at the moment is I feel like people are focusing on the wrong things. Um, you know, they they go down rabbit holes that don't really we don't really need to go down. Um, you know, like we talked about uh, or like, you know, Surtur worship, like worshiping Surt or, you know, even Fenrir. You know, those are very odd <laughs> holes to go down when we have stories like this that are interesting that I think need to be talked about more. Um, I've never heard someone mention this reference of King Olaf and a description of a temple, mentioning how Thor was considered the most, sat adorned with gold and silver, and the king, you know, lifted up his golden laid axe and struck Thor that so his image rolled down, and then the king's men returned, threw down all the gods sitting from their seats. I've yeah, so never heard that before. Yeah, so that's that's implying that there was a temple with Thor as the as basically the high seat in that temple, and then the rest of the deities. Well, a set of deities it doesn't necessarily obviously specify who, but there were other multiple, you know, you know yeah, statues of the other deities in that same temple. Yeah, I'm gonna print that out. If real they quick. have if they have Thor having the high seat, I would assume that the others would have been ones that were associated with farming or fertility of the land, things like that. So it may have been like Freyr and then even uh, shit, who else? <laughs> well, uh, Freya uh, oh, is also associated with, with uh, like fertility of the land as well, isn't she? Well, you know, yeah, even like fertility Sif. of the body. Yeah, yeah and Sif, I didn't even think about well. Sif. Yeah, because Sif was also like an agricultural and a fertility and obviously Thor's wife. So it's, it's, I mean, you might be onto something where it, it could have been more of the the common working folks uh temple which i mean that's primarily who they would have worshipped anyways obviously being the protector of midgard and then you know god of the hearth and and you know uh of agriculture and fatherhood and, and you know etc um I'm curious as to who the other ones could have, yeah, potentially have been, but based off of just having Thor as as basically the the main, you know, deity worshipped in this temple, I I kind of had to agree with you on that one, Caleb. Where it's probably more of a the agricultural or the the more commonly um, worshipped deities for the common working folk or you know agricultural class people. Well, another thing, you know, uh, is is the violence in this. You know, we know that we, we know mm -hmm. it. Like most people in the Norse pagan heathen community know that, you know, these lands were forcibly converted. But I also feel like it's something that gets slept on a lot because this has been happening since Christianity existed. I mean, it's what happened to the Native Americans here. It's what happened to the African people. This happened to the people of Norway and Scandinavia and Germania. This this has been happening for a long time. You know, we know about Irminsul, um, the thing we just mentioned about the history of the Danes. I mean, Christians came in and, in and completely um, just desecrated a temple um, and the traditions and the culture and erased it, um, uh, forcibly converted them. I mean, this this happened. And, I, you know, I don't think we should seek violence or any ill will towards Christians today. But also, we can't forget that this is how this religion died. You know, it wasn't a peaceful one. And yeah, I mean, any, anywhere that Christianity took over or grew in influence over the last thousand years, it was always through forceful um, conversion. I mean, well, especially I mean, yeah, if it was, it was a place that never had it before. Yeah, I mean, you do any reading on the Crusades and it is a bloodbath. Oh, dude, if you're, if you're like, if, 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 the, if the ones that, uh, that talk about the Crusades or any, anything like the one I had a conversation with, those weren't true Christians. And I'm like, the hell do you mean they weren't true Christians? <laughs> they were the doing that shit in the name yeah. of your God. Um, so here's another interesting one with uh, actual mentioning of Thor. Uh, it's not, it's very brief, but again, it's interesting. It's different. Uh, I can't see which king this is, uh, but let's see. It just says the king accordingly returned home to his lodging, taking 
Gudbrand's son as a hostage, but he gave the, a man as hostage in exchange. In the evening, the kid asked Gudbrand's son what, like, what, son what like their god was. He replied that he bore the likeness of Thor and had a hammer in his hand, was of great size but hollow within, but had a high stand upon which he stood while, while he was out. Neither gold nor silver are wanting about him, and every day he receives four cakes of bread besides meat. Then they went down, uh, went to bed, but the king watched all the night, watched all night in prayer. Hmm. I'm trying to understand the context of that because it's interesting. Uh, in the evening, the king asked Gudbrand's son what like their god was. Huh? He replied that he bore the likeness of Thor, had a hammer in his hand, was a great size. And then the interesting, the offerings, I mean, this is what it's mentioned here, neither gold nor silver are wanting about him. And every day he receives four cakes of bread besides meat. So we Maybe see he was asking them for like, uh, where their their idol was. Yeah, them. let me uh, talk amongst yourselves for a second. This is a long story. Let me dive into this real quick. See if I can find... <laughs> yeah, dude, this is how it was like when I went down this rabbit hole. This is the rabbit holes that I like, you know, I'm just like, ooh, like no one talks about this. You know, this is cool. Yeah, and I feel like, well, kind of like we went into it a little bit earlier, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see this, like these points of views or these stories, um, you know, coming from Story, who is, as we all, we've mentioned before, is a Christian. Um, so, like, I, to some degree, yes, there's, I'm sure there is some uh, potential manipulation to modify things into a, you know, into one idea. But to have certain certain references, especially like with this, with like the temples, and then you know, in this case, they were talking about literally giving offerings to somebody who bore the likeness of Thor, and the fact that it was you know bread and meat, which to me seems more of a Thor offering than gold or silver, is it's kind of interesting to look at it because it, it gives he's giving a sense of like respect almost. I feel like to the old ways and how things were potentially done in the past without necessarily trashing it or or belittling it in in a way i don't know uh, that's one of the things that i like about uh, some of the things that i've read from the story is the fact that he's not he's not just trying to destroy the history um of his people is trying to like capture it but he's uh, in the same time i don't think he ever expected it to uh to bring, you know, us to use it now, you know, almost a thousand years later as way to find information of how to, you know, worship the, worship the gods and know their descriptions and everything like that. Um, and I mean, as we know of Thor, he's not one that he's particular in the way that he requires only the finest of things. Like I know for myself, like if I give an offer to Odin, I try to give him something nice, like the, like the nicest thing that I have that I value as far as a, a good drink or something like that. Um, but with Thor, I could, I could still see the, uh, the, like the, the good in giving him, you know, such fineries as gold and silver, because it's not something that he would ask for outright. I don't believe, but you know, I'm, he would still greatly appreciate it. Yeah. He's Bro. more of a man of the, the more, I wouldn't say the finer things, but the more, the, the, uh, the simpler things. Guys, I got tingles here. This is awesome. Like, I just found it. This is an amazing section. Why does no one talk about this? Okay. So we have um, basically the backstory of this is King Olaf is on his crusade to convert Norway. And um, he goes to this king. Um, I can't find the king's name. But it's like this, the king who's uh, that son, Gun, uh, Gunbrand. King Gunbrand, I guess is his name. Uh, or Gudbrand. Gudbrand. So the Gunbrand in is basically being told you need to accept the Christian God. And this is his reply to um, King Olaf basically worshiping the Christian God. We know nothing of him whom thou speakest about. Dost thou, go, uh, dost thou call him God whom neither thou nor any of one else can see? So, you know, you can't see your God, but we have a God who can, who call, who call, Oh, that's weird. This language is weird. Who can be seen every day, although he is not out 
um, not out today, because the weather is wet and he will appear to thee terrible and very grand. And I expect the fear will mix with your very blood when it comes to the, to the thing and to the thing. But since thou sayest thy God is so great, let him make it so that tomorrow we have a cloudy day, but without rain, and then let us meet again. That is pretty, that is actually, yeah, pretty gnarly. This, the, oh, what the? We have a God who can be seen every day. That's awesome. I, I feel like, I mean, this goes kind of like back to when, you know, the 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 beginnings the humble beginnings of the wisdom of Odin channel where you talk about you know the the freaking spirit whale <laughs> way back when you yeah. know where you're just like you were at, i think you were talking about you were at a, a church uh, yeah, service yeah. and you just you just didn't feel anything you know whereas i mean we've had we've talked about it multiple times on the podcast we've talked about it you know you've done it in videos i've you know we've all heard stories from people's experiences at, at gatherings where they, you know, have literally seen in appearance the deities, regardless of who it is. You know, um, it's it's crazy to think about. You know, especially in a story this old and written by who it was written by, that it was basically acknowledged that that the old gods, it, it was common knowledge to actually have seen them just out and about, compared to the Christian god where you don't hear him or see him or, you know, whatever. He's just, you just told to believe that he is watching you basically. Like, kind of like a creative clause. Okay. So this, uh, this section here <laughs> is the one right before that first one I read. So uh, the God they're talking about in that section was the one that bore the likeness of Thor and his hammer and that, hmm. that accepted bread, uh, bread and meat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Dude, that is, uh, this is awesome. Like, I can't get over it. Uh, especially like the fact that with this conversation, obviously it's written in a very old language, uh, which, you know, like thou call him God, like stuff like that. Like I, I honestly, yeah, old, old English. If, yeah. I, if I'm looking for, you know, something to do, I might try to like transcribe this to a more modern language, um, which I'm sure scholars would be like, well, you need to do it from the original old Norris. Well, I don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> But like, just like looking at this in the description of how Thor makes you makes people feel is that I expect that fear will mix with your very blood when when it comes to the when it comes to this God. That's awesome. <laughs> Again, it kind of goes like it's about, it touches touch on what I was saying earlier. You know, it's it's nice to see and hear. You know, there that level of respect and also the legitimacy of of the old ways that you know being written by a christian where like yeah sure there's like i said there's some stories that were probably modified and changed to manipulate things to a certain way but there's still that level of of validity and legitimacy that were given but basically saying like yeah hey we see our gods and like you don't kind of a thing i don't know it's it's a it, that little bit yeah is a very interesting passage i don't know so later on here um i'm not gonna read the full section here but it was taught because in reference there it talked about how hey if your god's so real make him change the weather tomorrow like make mm -hmm. it cloudy with no rain and then we can talk again about your god and then later it mentions again someone a priest it sounds like saying uh if you want uh, if your god is so great and so real um have him make it uh Make it clear sunshine tomorrow and we will meet again. So these tests of their gods. So I think it's maybe because like they saw their gods as things that could manipulate the weather. So it's like prove to us your God is real by having him manipulate the weather. Yeah. That was crazy. That's a crazy passage. You got me wanting to dive into this thing now. See what I can find. Right, so, I know, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll send. Uh, I'll send this to you guys after we're done with the podcast. So you, yeah, you can dive I'm, into this. I'm down with it. I've just uh, been reading Eagle Saga like the last week, and I've been oh like, yeah, Ooh, that's wild. Finding all these little things. Oh, that's the story where it just talks about straight up like shapeshifters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tasty, like tasty, the tasty little morsels that it's just like, mm -hmm. hey, these are normal. Hey, yeah, these people that could turn into fucking bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, like this right here, this right here is me mentioning back to 
way back when we did the uh like the three like the mini passive odin episode you know the wolf the bear mm -hmm. and the raven um where i was saying that it's difficult for me to find information about the path that i follow but i've started finding these little sagas that i can find little tidbits and now i'm actually finding out more information from other people that i'm meeting that also follow the same sort of path that i do yeah, i've actually met a few more so it's I feel like I agree with you, Jacob. I feel like there's there's the stories or the past or the the, the knowledge that people are are seeking isn't necessarily it's not wrong, but it's not necessarily I feel like yeah the right way to go about it or the right time. Like I feel like things like that would, would come just come with time. This is the kind of stuff that. I feel that people should be reading and looking into because obviously, yeah, you get these tasty little bits of information that make you kind of sit back and think, and you're just like, wait, this is such a normal mentioning of, you know, like with Eagle Saga with with shapeshifters, and then with this, you have, you know, the fact that yeah, the gods just they come and go as normal people, and we see them like it's no big deal, and it's kind of like, huh, wait a minute, it's kind of like say this. Please elaborate more on this, but it's just right. like a, a slight little passing. Just, just enough to get you like hooked on it. And then you're like, wait, come back. <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, this just tell people, I mean, just in our little section here, this has only been like a 20 minute section of just looking into this. I mean, honestly, I, I wish I had like Eagle Saga on PDF because then it is easier it's to search so around. So. I, I prefer to have the physical book in front of me when I'm reading it. But if I'm doing research, I it, it helps so much just to be able to search around. Yeah, you can find one, uh, a PDF of it. That's true. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so what, did, what do you think of this? How is this as a surprise for an episode? Is this, isn't this what you, not what you expected? It's not oh, what I expected. What? Not what I expected at all. But now my brain is like going a thousand miles an hour. I know, right? It's like I'm sitting here like, oh, crap. How do we like I feel like we're just going to go into a silent mode where we're all just like digging into research now. Because I mean, I'm still like not even halfway through the mentionings of something called Thor in this book. Like, again, it's mostly Thorberg. Thorer. There was a lot of people named Thor. <laughs> or, yeah, or some variation of it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just... Uh. I don't know. I guess I'm curious. So yeah, for some reason, like when we first started thinking of something to search, Ferrer was the first one that popped in my head. So just, yeah. just for funsies, one last, one last little oh, search. I'm honestly, I'm honestly like curious about like, of the mentionings of like berserkers and Uthanar in there, like mm -hmm. the shapeshifters. Yeah, you have to think about language too, because uh, you know, or the person that translated this, did they use Uthander or did they use shapeshifter or berserker? Like, how do they, how do they mention yeah. it? Um, I'm trying okay i'm running out of thor stuff it's mostly people with thor's names um let's see i'll search frere for you guys yeah let's give let's give old frere i doubt there's gonna be as much on frere but luckily uh there's not gonna be let's see as oh, much like names people. yeah oh it's gonna be mostly in reference to the yingling saga like uh, uh he begins with a fjolner a son of ying v frere so like, cause he was trying, stories where we get that the Freyr was probably a real person that bore children. And so therefore there's a line of Yingve Freyr, Yingve Freyr. Mm. And then there's also like the Thor Odin line. And this is where you get people that are like, well, I'm related to Freyr deep, deep distance down. That's where this comes from. <laughs> yeah, cause here, but after Freyr was buried under a Karen at Uppsala, many chiefs raised Karens as calmly as stones to the memory of their relatives. So yeah, this is in reference to Freyr as more of a as more of a person than actually necessarily yeah a more guy. of a yeah more of a mortal man. Um, let's see, I got a poem, the game of the bright sun god Freyr, but the soft Swedes love well the fire, then well stuffed couch the uh, dull way glove and the hearth seat will not move. So yes, yeah, some stuff that I'm just like uh what. <laughs> uh, Similar thing to Odin being a real person too is i can i couldn't tell you the story but i know i've heard some somebody tell me that there's something that said like odin was a wanderer from like turkey or something like that oh well, yeah that's uh that's like all story clans. oh it was story as well yeah that's in the prosetta that's like the story of the prosetta oh okay yeah yeah, never yeah. Read it. yeah oh it's awful like when you actually read the beginning of the prosetta <laughs> it's just like 
Yeah, well, because it doesn't make sense. It's just like Odin was uh, in the ba- during the Battle of Troy or something like that, and then he took a band of people up to Nor uh, up to um, Germany and had a few sons, left them behind to rule Germany, went up to Denmark, had a few sons, left them behind in Denmark, went up to Sweden, had a few sons, left them behind in Sweden, and then made it to no- Norway, had a few sons, left them in charge there and died in Norway. <laughs> you know, it's like what? <laughs> I wouldn't be just getting around. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and all these, and he would stay around for these kids to like grow up to adulthood, and then would leave again. Um, so I, there is very few mentionings of Freyr in here. Hmm. Well, shoot. We got I time for one more. Freyr, any, any other guess, random searches you want me to pull up? Um, I just got a comment. I guess Freyr was like he was more worshipped than like. Sweden, wasn't it? Like the Bonnie were more worshipped than Sweden than the other parts of Scandinavia. Yeah, from what we know, yeah. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of something else. I'm trying to think of something that's potentially obscure. But it, like it can't be too obscure because, again, even Freya didn't pull up that much. Uh, that's true. I'm sure there's people like listening to this episode in their cars or workouts, or whatever. They're like, you should search this. <laughs> Why can't you hear me? Uh, damn. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something. Something that the people are something, listening are Something probably... juicy. Right. Oh, let me just search uh, Temple. Oh, there we go. Because it seems like that's, a, that's like... the... <laughs> Um, Because that's something that is within the language of this writing is temple used as a place of worship. Um, Let's see here. Gunhild's sons embraced Christianity in England, as told before, but they came to rule over Norway. They made no progress in spreading Christianity. Only they pulled down the temples of their idols and cast away the sacrifices where they had it in their power and raised great animosity by doing so. The good crops of the country were soon wasted in their days because they were many kings and each had his court about him. They had therefore great expenses and were very greedy. Um, Besides, they only observed those laws of King Hakon, which suited themselves. Interesting. So it's interesting that after the temples of their idols were cast away, um, things turned sour. You know, like crops weren't good. Uh, There was lots of greed. So yeah, almost (laughs) <laughs> yeah, almost like the order of things was thrown off balance. Yeah, you get rid of all the agricultural gods, and then oh, now we have no agriculture. I feel like yeah, it's, I feel like that's like a, a good uh, you know representation of of morality issue. You know, like I feel, I feel like there's a there's a key turning point around that time period where the idea of of, of morals in just the baseline of like humanity kind of shifted and changed drastically. And I feel like it's, it's kind of like, this is a tinfoil hat theory. I feel oh, like at on. this point, I know, but yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it, I mean, if you look at, at this time period and like even slightly before people from the research that I've done and, and just multiple readings and things like that. And I'm a huge history nerd. Uh, if I hadn't joined the military, I would have gone to school for ancient civilization, like study and stuff like that. Um, and there was such a, like, yes, obviously there were sketchy things that were done in ancient cultures, but there's a certain turning point where, I don't know, people just stopped caring about the right things and started caring about the more, uh, it was more of like, started just caring more about themselves. It's like a very interesting turning point. And that's kind of where you see, you know, a lot of our our destruction of like the earth and the, you know, just the overuse of materials and minerals. And then just people just turning into assholes like over a certain period of time. You know, oh. and I don't know, I'm kind of going on a ramp, like a tangent here, but. I'm... I mean, I can see the validity in it because it's, you know, there wasn't really a thing of up until after you know Christianity started taking over, getting more people worried about themselves, how much you know, how much wealth they could obtain, everything like. Not to say that there weren't people like that before, but it became more rampant. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I mean we've discussed it before. It there's this when you have the difference. The main difference between like say primarily focusing around uh, Norse paganism and and Christianity is Christianity the afterlife. You focus on that's what you focus on. 
is where you're going to go, hoping that you live a life good enough to go to a good place, which therefore causes, you know, people to be greedy to focus on themselves, even though that's, you know, it, it does, it's not meant to look like that, but that's how it turns into you're doing things for the sole purpose of saving your own ass. Whereas with paganism, you, the afterlife, there isn't necessarily anything bad. You're going to your ancestors in one realm or another, you know, and that's, that's accepted. So you, you live more in the, in the now and in the, and, you know, you just live to live life, not to live it to hopefully, you know, become a good person and go to a good place in the hereafter. And I think that's, that's the main tipping point where the, a weird morality twist happened. And just to chime in really quick on it, it's going from like the transition from going from a nature focused uh, faith and religion and being in harmony with it to one for, I'm, I guess not to say that, that people can't live in harmony with nature and be Christian, but there's not that, there's not that spiritual aspect intertwined. With it's it. not been evolved that way. Yeah, because yeah. like I look at my like my uncle, like he is a big hippie, but a Christian and he lives very much in harmony with nature. And so like, you know, as far as Christians, I have no problem with my uncle. I think he, you know, he makes sense. You know, he he gardens, he tends to his house. He kind of lives off the grid um, and he does his own thing and doesn't try to convert people. He just believes in God and Jesus. And it's like, that's perfectly fine. And I just have a problem when when Christian Christians, Christians uh, think that the the world is theirs you know, that God gave them the world and is theirs to abuse at their will. Like they are not, you know, if you truly think that God gave you earth, then you probably need to respect it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, facts. Um, okay, yeah. so here we go. Here's this title. Harold, King Harold, sends a warlock to Iceland. Right there, what? <laughs> King Harold told a warlock, to go to Iceland in some altered shape and to try what he could learn there to tell him. And he set out in the shape of a whale. And when he came near to the land, he went to the west side of Iceland, north around the land, where he saw all the mountains and hills full of guardian spirits, some great, some small. When he came to Vapnafjord, he went towards the land, intending to go on shore. But a huge dragon rushed down the dale against him with a train of serpents paddocks and toads and blew to poison towards him. Then he turned to go westward around the land as far as Fjord, and he went into the fjord. Well, then a bird flew against him, which was so great that its wings stretched over the mountain on either side of the fjord, and many birds, great and small, with him. And then his swarm swam farther west and then south into Breedefjord. When he came into the fjord, a large gray bull ran against him, wading into the sea and bellowing fearfully, and he was followed by a crowd of land spirits. From thenceforth, he went round by uh, Reykjans and wanted to, uh, to land at Vikarskjaid. But they, uh, there came down a hill, a hill, a hill giant against him with an iron staff in his hands. He was a head higher than the mountains, and many other giants followed him. He then swam eastward along the land, where there was nothing to see. He said, uh, said, but sand and vast deserts, and with Scary's high breaking surf. So basically, this is where they decided to bring people to Iceland. So yeah, what? again, casual, <laughs> casual mentionings of mythical creatures and shape-shifting and spirits like it was everyday occurrences. What? It's such a, it's such a weird, like just casual mentioning of things. Well, and the thing that, that pisses me off is that I can make a video tomorrow, like entitled like Breaking Down Haima Skringla you know, and promote the ever living fuck out of it. And it would get like 2000 views because people don't search for that on YouTube. And so finding a way to bring, and that's one of my my biggest missions right now with a YouTube channel is finding a way to take these obscure subjects that I think need more attention and bringing them to a way that the internet will promote them. And that has been a challenge, which is why, uh, you know, if you like what we do here at the Folk Podcast, Please make sure you share it, like it, all that good stuff. And if you don't want to be on it, send us an email if you want to talk more about this stuff, folkpodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support personally what I'm doing in this crazy deep dive into the religion, please think about going to Patreon and supporting me there. Um, thank you all for watching this episode, listening to this episode and watching the Wisdom of Odin and all that stuff. And uh, basically, this is also my way of saying we probably need to wrap this up because we have an interview in five minutes 
uh, now with Sean because he's ready. And uh, for our listeners listening to it this week, next week, we have a guest. We're recording the episode right after this one where we're talking to Sean Kratz or Sean Death from OC the Jupiter, which I've made episodes with before. But we're talking about Appalachian magic. And so that's going to be a fun one. So we got to have that conversation. Um, but gentlemen, so did you enjoy this? Did you enjoy this episode, guys? Yeah, this turned into an interesting little deep dive conspiracy. And, and, and now you want this, uh, want this PDF, don't you? Yeah, a little yeah. bit, yeah. I want this PDF. <laughs> Dude, it's one. There was another thing. Like I had to choose between the warlock thing and something else. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, let me see. Like, what was the other thing? Oh, it was talking about uh, like how Hakon the Good, before he was a Christian, like imposed that all of Norway, because he was king of all of Norway, and he basically made it so that all the old heathen traditions came back, and he had temples and sacrifices brought back. And so Again, it, I never realized how many mentionings of temples there were until actually reading this. And now I'm just like, that's really cool. That's really cool. Well, I was giving you guys the, if you want to say anything else, that was your moment. Uh, Otherwise, no, you're, I've got, I've got to talk about Appalachian yeah. now. Are you ready to talk about Appalachian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thank you. Next episode is going to be me arguing about like Appalachia, Appalachia. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. That'll be the first 10 minutes. All right. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I will post a link to Jaime Skringla in the, uh, I guess the discord will probably be the best place. I'll post it in there in the library channel if you're on the discord. So um, I'll pin it as well. If you want to check it out um, and I'll send it to you guys so you can check it out as well. Uh, really cool. Lots of good stuff. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and supporting what I do here at the wisdom of Odin, supporting us here at the folk podcast. And until next time, and until the hall, skull. Skull. Now, Ian, bring forth the dolphin. <laughs> 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 <laughs>